Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 128. The UK is showing leadership and we're proud leaders in the area of digital trade and the Electronic Trade Document Act. Hello, and welcome to Trade Finance Talks. My name is Brian Kanup, Assistant Editor at TFG. Much like the ocean, which carries 80% of traded goods, the world of international trade is ever fluid. This rate of change has only increased in recent years due to a variety of factors, including a global pandemic, macroeconomic instability, geopolitical instability, and various technological innovations. In order for us to stay on the right path, we all need a guiding light. And in the UK, many of us look to the Department of Business and Trade to provide this guidance. Recently, the UK passed the Electronic Trade Documents Act, which is a right step in the right direction for digitalizing trade. But what is next and how do we effectively adopt this act? Luckily for us, I'm happy to introduce Minister Nigel Huddleston, Minister of State at the Department of Business and Trade, will help break down some of these topics for us. Minister Huddleston, thank you very much for joining us. Hello, delighted to join you. So to start off, please introduce yourself. Who are you and what is your background? I'm the Minister for International Trade, as you mentioned at the moment, at the Department for Business and Trade, which is a relatively new department because we used to have two departments, what used to be called BAYS, which really covered a lot of domestic business, and then the Department for International Trade, which covered a lot of overseas work. And we've merged them both together in the new Department for Business and Trade back in February. I've been a minister there since last September, actually, so about just over a year now. Before that, I was a minister at the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. So all things digital are very much close to my heart as well. And I know we'll come on to that. But my main role here then at the Department for Business and Trade is to oversee all the things that we're doing with the free trade agreements that we've been negotiating around the world, all with a goal to increasing uh, trade. Where we don't have free trade agreements, we also have lots of discussions in the form of JETCOs and trade dialogues with countries as well. I'm also responsible for overseeing the multilateral forum, WTO, G20 and so on, the trading systems. Trading Remedies also sits with me, so where we've got issues and concerns about the trade dumping practices and so on from other countries, I oversee that. And also oversee a team of trade envoys as well. So the prime minister appoints trade envoys from across political parties. Uh, quite a few things to keep me busy. And uh, of course, given what you said at the beginning, there's a lot going on in global trade at the moment. So a pretty busy time. As I alluded to in the introduction, the global economy has undergone some large changes in recent years. How has this kind of impacted UK trade policy and how have you adapted and become more resilient to meet more new challenges? You're absolutely right. There's been a lot of external challenges. Obviously, the pandemic and uh, the invasion of Ukraine has shocked supply chains really around the world. And one of the things that we're all doing is trying to build more resilience into our supply chains so that we can enhance uh, resilience and stability. We're doing that. I'm doing that in combination with my colleague, in particular, Nuzgani, who's another minister in the department. And we're looking really in areas like critical minerals and really key products to make sure that we are importing from trusted partners. And that is part of the trade dialogue and trade discussions we're having at the moment as well. And then more broadly as well, obviously, the UK decided to leave the European Union 
And that means that we are negotiating our own trade deals. We're an independent trading nation now. We started off by moving over many of the existing legacy trade deals over from the EU, but we're going way beyond that. And this is really core to my role, finding new areas of opportunity. And in particular, in a report that we publish every few years called the Integrated Review and and a more recent refresh, we really focused on the growth opportunities in the Indo-Pacific area, where we see so many opportunities for growth, a booming population, but importantly, huge increase in, in wealth and a huge increase in appetite for British goods as well and services. So that's really the logic behind why we recently joined CPTPP or gone through the accession process, and we're now passing that through Parliament. So we're acceding to the Comprehensive and Progressive Trans- Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, which which has got countries across the Asia-Pacific region, including South America and um, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and so on. So we've got a lot of activity uh, going on with CPTPP and also trade deals with many other countries to enhance and upgrade our digital agreements, for example, and make sure that we are fit for the modern era and uh, make sure that our trade agreements cover, for example, services in a more comprehensive way, because the UK economy is, after all, an 80% service economy. So quite a lot of activity going on. As the UK is expanding their reach in the international trade area with new markets and also working with legacy trade deals, the really important aspect is to increase access for trade. So now that the ETDA is codified in law, what is the DBT doing to ensure that the act is successfully implemented and used to its full potential? The UK is showing leadership and we're proud leaders in the area of digital trade and the Electronic Trade Document Act. One of the key things it does is it places electronic trade documentation on the same legal footing as the old paper-based system. So it's really bringing trade into the digital age, which is really, really important. It goes for goods and services, but in particular, a lot of services are transacted online now. And it's really important that we have the processes and procedures to deal with that. The UK was the first G7 country to really do this move and put electronic documentation on the same legal footing. But we are actively now promoting that and pushing that out so everybody is aware of what we're doing. But the key thing is it should significantly reduce the cost of trade and also speed up trade and also increase the security of trade, reduce fraud and so on. So there's real tangible benefits here. We estimate that it could generate about a billion pounds for the UK economy over the next decade in cost saving. Beyond this act, we've also been pushing digital trade, data and so on in a lot of the trade agreements and discussions that we're having. And for example, the UK-Singapore digital trade deal is one of the most advanced in the world. And again, it's all about speeding up trade, making it faster, cheaper, safer and easier. And that alone can also open up international trade opportunities for a wider range of businesses. And we've got a particular focus on encouraging and supporting more SMEs, for example, to get involved in trade. You'll hear a lot from my Secretary of State, Kemi Badenoch, saying, you know, it's not just a matter of signing the documents. We want to make them real. She talks about building motorways, but those motorways are useless unless there's cars on them. So what we're trying to do is put more cars and more activity on those motorways, increasing awareness, increasing activity. We'll see a lot of um, raising awareness about uh, digital trade during International Trade Week, but also a lot of the activities that our team do on the ground, export support services and so on, will be focused on enhancing the use of digital trading opportunities. The acts are really important because it shows leadership, but making them work is just as important. In fact, obviously more important. So the UK has engaged or successfully signed many free trade agreements with numerous countries in 2022 and 2023. But looking forward to 2024, what is DBT's goal for free trade agreements and what are some expectations that you have? 
Yeah, we've had a pretty active um, 2023. Obviously, the accession signing for CPTPP was key, but we're going through the process of getting that through Parliament at the moment, and that will uh, take a few months. So that will keep us busy into 2024 as well. We've brought into force the Australian New Zealand bills this year, but next year as well, we'll continue the activity on many other trade agreements. So we're in discussions with India on a free trade agreement. I think we just finished um, round 13. We're in discussions with the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation States, as well as Israel and also also in discussions or starting discussions with um, Korea, South Korea and Turkey as well. So there's a lot of free trade agreement discussions going on. Also on top of that, there's a lot of other activity. As I said, there's constant stream of discussions that we call JETCOs and other meetings that also enhance trade opportunities. Plus, of course, we've got an ongoing dialogue and discussion to remove our market access barriers, for example, around the world and including with our friends in the EU. So a huge amount of activity going on for 2024, building on, I think, what has been quite good momentum in 2023. For some of these free trade agreements that you were mentioning, have you picked up on any trend or specific topics beyond digitalization that you were seeing kind of in these conversations once they kind of get a bit more focused? Yeah, there's a few trends going on. And in particular, well, I say trends, but also it's deliberate push from the UK. I mentioned earlier the importance of making sure that these FTAs are fit for purpose in the modern economy. And many of the trade agreements we inherited have been a bit old, a bit stayed. A good example is the Swiss trade agreement, which is nearly 50 years old, doesn't cover services. And therefore, obviously, as well, it's so old, it doesn't cover things like data and digital. So data and digital is really important, but also so is services. And many, many trade agreements either are very light or don't cover services at all. Well, our economy is so service orientated that is really pretty bad. So we're really focused on also creating opportunities for services. And in a lot of trade agreements and also in the dialogues and the discussions we're having and removing our market access barriers, we're finding an increasing volume of activity on services as well as goods. For example, looking at um, mutual recognition of professional qualifications around the world. We've just um, done an agreement with the USA, for example, on architects. But there's many other examples where we're focusing on services as well as goods. The world is very different. We're not just talking about selling widgets, physical products that are being shipped from country A to country B anymore. The world is genuinely open and services and digital opens up the world in a way that wasn't possible a few years ago. I'm talking beyond as well, just electronic downloads of music or software or something. It's a whole new world out there. And we need to make sure that our trade agreements are fit for purpose there as well. And then that then opens up a whole bunch of other challenges, but also opportunities in investments, in intellectual property rights and protection and so on as well. So all of these are features of modern trade agreements that were perhaps not there a few decades ago. Given a great background and overview of many of these these topics, but if you could give you know, one piece of advice for a UK business that's looking to you know, maybe start exporting for the first time in 2024, what would that be? First of all, give them the assurance that there is support available. The Department for Business and Trade, we provide a lot of support through export support services. And you can go online and find out a lot of information that can help you identify new markets and also give you confidence to know what you're doing. And again, we've got a real focus here on getting people exporting perhaps for the first time, we've never done so. So really encouraging a lot of small and medium-sized uh, businesses to go and seek export opportunities. Under the Export Support Services umbrella, we've got, for example, a whole bunch of um, online and offline courses that we can help people through Export Academy. We've also got human beings, physical trade advisors, people who in each of the regions can go out and help people and advise, understand their business and advise them on how to export. We've got a whole bunch of export champions as well, people 
people who recently started exporting or got decent experience, and they're willing and able to share their experiences of exporting. And of course, as I mentioned earlier on, we've got trade envoys who travel around the world to support exporting opportunities, and they're often going out with delegations or working with businesses to identify opportunities as well. So there's a whole world of support out there, some of it online, some of it offline. I think the key message is you're not alone, but many other people have gone through the journey of um, first putting their toes in the export waters and have had great success. And there's case study after case study after case study of businesses who have been reluctant or uncertain or a bit afraid of exporting that all of a sudden by looking at the export opportunities have fundamentally changed their business model, their revenue, been able to seek opportunities around the world. So please do seek assistance because it is there. Minister Huddleston, it's an honor to talk to you and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving the deeper background for us. And then I'm sure many of our uh, exporting listeners will really appreciate your last little bit of guidance there. So everyone, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. And again, Minister Huddleston, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com. 